God never intended you to be alone or to follow him alone. The very first book of the Bible, Genesis, tells us that when God created the very first human being, Adam, he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. And so he created Eve to be a companion, and they were to participate together in communion with each other and with God, and they were to procreate because God didn't want them to be alone. He wanted to create families, and he wanted to be in relationship with more and more and more of us. So you and I are really created for companionship. We're called into companionship together with God. And that's what I want us to think about today and really encourage you in, because we are created for companionship. Jesus modeled this for us. When he began his public ministry, he didn't call just individuals one-on-one, -on -one, but he, even though he called them individually, he called them collectively. And I, wanna, I want us to look at some scripture passages that illustrate this, maybe in a, in a fresh and new way for some of you. So let's take a look at just some of those passages. I'm gonna, I've got four of them I'm going to share quickly with you, kind of in rapid succession, because I want you to see the flow of this and the example that Jesus modeled for us. So in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, it says this, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I know it's a little overkill, <laughs> but I want you to see the plurality of the call. And again, this whole idea that Jesus is modeling, even as he calls people, it's not just you individually, but it's you in conjunction with others that he's calling. Verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 13, now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. I mentioned this last week in the message about the vital sign, the vital health sign of the church is prayer and how Jesus modeled that for us. And I referenced this passage. Jesus prayed throughout his ministry. Every day he prayed. He was in communion with God through prayer. And it's one of those mysteries of how could Jesus be God and, and yet he's the son of God and all of these things, the mystery of the triune nature of our one God. But the point is, again, Jesus is modeling for us in flesh and blood what we're to do with him and with God as a whole in prayer. And so as he was getting ready to make this selection of who would not only be his teammates, but also those he would be mentoring and would be passing on the ministry to after he ascended back up into heaven, he spent a lot of time in prayer. And then it says this in verse 13 of Luke chapter 6, and when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12 whom he also named apostles. 
If you're like me and maybe you've read this passage over the years, um, when I've read this in the past, because I grew up and uh, was taken to church and heard uh, teachers in Sunday school from a child on up, I always thought about the 12 disciples, you know? And we would hear about the 12 disciples. And oftentimes when I would read this passage, I kind of just blew past it like, okay, yeah, he prayed. And then he said, okay, you guys, you're it. The 12, you guys that have been with me. But notice what it says there. There were a lot more than the 12 who was with Jesus. Because again, he had called them all into companionship. There was actually a large group who had been following Jesus. They were his disciples. They just hadn't been intentionally picked out those that Jesus was choosing who were specifically going to be those who were going to become his teammates and his trainees and those that he was going to prepare to carry on the work of the church. It was really part of his succession plan. And so from all of those disciples, he chose 12 though, who became the ones that we are most familiar with in the scriptures. And then in Mark chapter six, verse seven, it says this, and he called the 12 to himself. So now we see it developing a little more in this companionship and this ministry that he's called us to. He called the 12 to himself and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. And then he didn't end there. We find in Luke chapter 10, verses one through two, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them out two by two because he calls us into companionship. He wants us to work together. We're not to be loners in the kingdom of God. He does not expect you to do ministry by yourself. Now, some might say, well, um, why, why didn't he just, if he would have sent 70 out individually, then he could have covered 70 cities. No, he knows the best way to work is again in companionship. So he's like, I'll send you out two by two. Before his face, they went into every city and place where he himself was about to go. See here again, Jesus, when he calls us into the work of his ministry, he doesn't leave us to do it alone. He goes with us. He wants us to step out in faith. He modeled that for us when he walked this earth and he still does it today because he indwells us with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit indwells every single person that sincerely and honestly opens their heart and life to him and asks for forgiveness of sins and believes that he died on the cross for their sins personally. And they say, I wanna follow you, Jesus. Help me to live for you. When we have that kind of a prayer, we experience his forgiveness, his grace, and we are then called into companionship with him, first of all, in that relationship. But then we're called also into companionship with others who are following him. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers, plural, are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So today as a message, it probably won't be a revelation to you, but hopefully it'll be a reminder to all of us. Again, that God never intended you to be alone. And he does not intend you to be alone in your relationship with him and in your service for him and in our work together as a church. Because we need each other as followers of Jesus to work together, number one, we see that. We also need each other to encourage one another, to look out for each other. 
But there's a couple of things that are really important also in this companionship is we need to be responsible for each other. In other words, I need to take my responsibility, you need to take your responsibility. That's really important because we cannot accomplish as much if we're shirking our responsibilities or the things that God wants us to do or he's gifted us to do. So we need to be responsible for ourselves and for each other and we need to be accountable. And that's the tough one because we don't like to be held accountable at times, you know, because sometimes we just want to do our own thing, what feels good, what seems right to us. And then if somebody notices what we're doing isn't right and they want to hold us accountable and correct us, then sometimes it's difficult for us to maybe want to submit to that accountability. But we need it. I need it. You need it. We all need it. It's why we're called together in this companionship. It really is how God designed marriage, and it's the tough part about marriage. Uh, That's why there's a lot of marriage counselors and a lot of people that need marriage counseling. And I'm not saying that trying to be funny. It's just a fact because in marriage, you've got to learn to be responsible for yourself and for everybody in that marriage, your, your spouse, your family members, kids, whatever, but also accountable to each other. And it's not easy, but it's important. But then we're also called to build each other up, to speak positive things into each other's lives and to be the presence of Jesus each other. Now, that might really sound weird to some of you, but again, if we have the Holy Spirit of Christ indwelling in us, then literally this is the plan that Jesus chose, and this is why I say we were called into companionship with him and with each other. Jesus could have stuck around after he rose from the dead. He could have stuck around and still walked around with his followers and taught, maybe he would have had a, a big mega church. Hopefully he would. I mean, he's got a mega church, really. We're all part of it. But and whatever ways he would have communicated, but here's the thing. In his wisdom, he knew that it would be so much better if he ascends back up into heaven and then sends his Holy Spirit to indwell every single one of us as his followers because now all over the world simultaneously at the same time, his spirit is present. And I know his spirit is present beyond us, not just within us, but around us. But the point is we are the specific hands and feet and voice. That's why we're referred to as the body of Christ here on the earth today. He's the head, we're the body. And he's given each one of us different spiritual gifts and abilities. You have some gifts that I don't have. I have some gifts that you don't have. And that's why we need each other. And we need each other, not only when we gather corporately like this for these moments, which are great, but we need each other through the week. We need those that we can talk to and share our heart with and have people praying with us and for us. And again, working together for the work of the ministry visiting those who are sick, praying for people, visiting them in the hospital, sending them cards, working in the community, helping those who are uh, in need, those who are homeless, those who have disabilities. All the work just goes on and on and on. The opportunities are endless. Well, the newly formed church understood this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we've been looking at the elements of the newly formed church because as it started out and launched, it was healthy. And so if we're going to be a healthy church, we need to make sure that we're looking at what the early church did or the newly formed church did, and then we need to see if we're doing those same things and following that pattern. 
So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, so we know the teaching of God's word, of Christ, the gospel, and, and what it means to follow Christ. That's really important in the life of the church. But then it says this, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. This fellowship is more than just having coffee together once in a while. I'm glad we could have coffee out here in our, in our cafe area, worship area. Um, I'm glad we could have some refreshments. That is really just kind of the beginning step of fellowship because the type of fellowship that the scripture's talking about is really getting to know each other, getting to know um, our, our faults, our failures, praying for each other, encouraging one another, working together, being patient with one another, not just being willing to walk away when things don't always go our way. That's what real fellowship or companionship is. And then again, it's illustrative in what it says here in fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. So again, they were praying together. They were breaking bread together, whether that means sharing communion and the communion meal, which is part of the Passover meal, which we do today on a regular basis, or whether it just meant simply sharing a meal from house to house. But here's the thing. Notice where it says the people got together. They got together in the temple, just like we're doing. Now, the temple, again, was a place that was built for people to come to worship God. In the world today, these church buildings are built as a place for us to come together to worship God. The building is not the church. You and I are the church. The people are the church, the followers of Christ. And, and yet, in the early church, they still went to the temple because that was a larger facility that could accommodate them, and they would come together, and they would worship together. But then, through the week, as they went back into their homes and their communities, they didn't wait for the next Sunday or Sabbath, in that case, the next Sabbath day to come, but they would meet in their homes. So that would be similar to today, how we have life groups and fellowship groups here at church, of course, we have Sunday school, which is great, or Bible classes. But it's important to get to know people who are kind of maybe going through some of the same stuff that you're going through, or maybe in a stage of life or a circumstance of life, whether you're a, a younger family starting out, or whether you're single, or whatever it is, getting with some other people that you're wanting to experience life together with them, kind of where they're at, because they can relate to you, but then also including people who can speak into that, who have been through those experiences and can be an encouragement to you. Because again, that's what this companionship is all about. So basically, true fellowship is a group of people with a shared experience, a shared mission and cause, a shared vision, shared goals, shared work, and shared encouragement and support. Now, I know we're in church, and this is a message about spiritual things, obviously, but we see this even in everyday life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I know there'll be several that go up, but how many of you watched some type of sporting event this weekend, whether it was football or baseball or whatever? I Probably most of us in here. And what you were watching when you watched those teams play is you're watching a fellowship, a companionship at a deeper level because they have worked together, they've practiced together, they've worked on plays together, they execute out on the field, they, they go through triumphs together and defeats together. They encourage each other. It's, it's, it's not easy, but it's an amazing thing. 
And when you're part of a team like that, a fellowship, man, there's nothing really that can replace that because you develop such a closeness with those others who are on your team, whether it's coaching staff or players or whatever. Well, in the church, it's no different. When you come to church, if you are serious about your relationship with Jesus Christ, then we need to work together as a team. And that means more than just occasionally or when you feel like you show up or when things aren't going your way, you don't show up. But we're committed. And we work it through and we talk it through and we pray for each other and we suffer victories together or (laughs) suffer victories together. We enjoy victories together. We suffer (laughs) defeats together. Okay, I confess, sometimes as a pastor, I even suffer in the victories. (laughs) But, But anyway... Because leadership is painful, but that's okay. It's all part of this companionship that God has called us to be a part of. And so I really want to emphasize each of you have unique things that you can bring into this fellowship, this companionship that we need. It's why I love teaching the spiritual gifts class, which I am doing again currently, and I will be doing it on an ongoing basis. When this class ends, we'll be looking at when we can reschedule the next one because I want this to be part of just the DNA of the church here at Porterfield. Everybody understanding what spiritual gifts are, learning what their particular ones are. Because here's the thing, as a follower of Christ, some of the gifts are the same, like the gift of teaching or the gift of preaching or pastoring or uh, helping or mercy or whatever those spiritual gifts are, they are the same type of gift, but in you and in me and in others, it becomes unique because that spiritual gift is combined with your personality. And God knows our personalities are different. So personalities are different, and your life experience is different than my life experience. And so God in his wisdom combines those spiritual gifts that have some commonalities, but he puts them in you and I with different personalities and with different life experiences, and then it creates a unique gift mix that only you, only you can uniquely fulfill in the life of the church. And so understanding that, that's what brings us to this next point that I want us all to think about. There's three things that we all need as part of this companionship with each other and with Christ and in the church, and they all start with the letter T. I'm doing this to just make it easy for you. I've spoken on this before. Again, this is a reminder. We need to be reminded of this, but we all need teachers. We all need teammates, and we all need trainees. It's all part of this companionship because again, you have some unique things that you could teach someone else. Therefore, you need to look for those who you can impart that to and share with. You need some trainees in your life. Who are those trainees? Do you have someone? Now, some of you immediately could think of it. Some of you say, well, yes, it's it's my kids. Some of you are saying it's my spouse. Uh, Some of you are saying it's maybe parents. I mean, again, because it has nothing to do with age. It can do with age, but it has to do with, again, where you're at in your spiritual walk. But in, in church, is there someone here in this church body that you could look to come alongside of and, and kind of mentor and encourage who can be a trainee for you? And, of course, we all need teachers. We need people that we can learn from. And I'm very grateful here at Porterfield that I have teachers And the teachers um, are sometimes right here, I'm looking out at you in the congregation. I learn things from you all. As I listen, 
I listen to your experiences in life. I listen to how God is working in in your life and whether it's struggles that you're persevering through or things that you've overcome, I learn from you and it's great. I also learn from the staff. I appreciate our staff so much and they're teammates. They're my teammates and you all are too. We're teammates together. But just to give you an example of how this works on our staff, There are days uh, when I'll actually have Pastor Eric, and he does it a lot, he'll do the leadership training during our staff meetings. He'll select some good material. It's presented at our staff meetings. We all watch it, then we discuss it together. And it's really helpful. We all learn. And then there are times when I'll take that lead. There's times when others will lead us in prayer. We want to make sure that we're using the entire staff and the gifts that we have Pastor Adam takes notes (laughs) and bless his heart. I mean, oh my goodness. Uh, You know, he's sitting there typing away during staff meetings and he does an amazing job with that. And then he sends those notes out to those of us on staff that are able to be there at the meetings, but some who aren't able to be at the meetings because they have other full-time jobs. They work part-time and they're not able to be there. But the point is we work well together as a team. Because we understand as a staff, we need teammates, somebody we can work with, and somebody we can learn from. So we, need, we all need teachers, so we're all learning from each other. And again, we learn from you as a congregation, and we're looking for trainees. That's why this summer and over the last few years, Pastor Eric and Adam, Pastor Eric and Adam introduced the idea of doing an internship program whereby college students could come in for the summer and we pay them to work here at the church because they're showing an interest in ministry and they're being mentored and developed. It's become a real joy in the life of the church. These are a lot of things that go on that a lot of you maybe aren't quite aware of. Not because you don't care. Sometimes we don't do, I don't do, a very good job of communicating those things. But we're working on that. That's why we're also looking at adding a communications director Someone who will help us to get that message out to you all. And we've been blessed with uh, a gentleman, Jeff Harbison, who's been doing a fantastic job with that. A lot of the videos that you see and, and things, it's really opening it up. It's helping us because, again, we are learning from each other. We're teammates. We're trainees because Christ called us to do this cooperatively and as companions together. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've got, I felt really connected to someone and, and a, a church leader in particular or church leaders. And I know growing up in the church, um, there were some churches I was a part of where I just, I dearly loved the pastor or the youth pastor or a certain Sunday school teacher or whoever it was. And then when something would happen, whether they would either get called into another ministry or they would, they would die, they would pass on, whatever it was, I just felt such a great sense of loss. And then I'm like, man, you know, nobody would ever replace them. Well, in a way, I guess I was right, because God doesn't, he, he, he takes care of us. It's not like he tries to replace people. But again, if you have that attitude of we all need teachers, teammates, and trainees, you understand how God's spirit is working, and he'll raise up other people. And that's what I found over the course of my years in church ministry. People that I looked up to that maybe moved on or did something different or again passed on and I felt that emptiness and I missed them. Ultimately, somebody else would come along that I would connect with. And I appreciated them and they were my teachers, mentors, and in some ways trainees. And 
as I, I thought about this a while back, and I was like, you know, what, what God helped me to realize was I was kind of focusing on the person that they were, but what I was missing was God's spirit in them. It was God's spirit in them that really is what was drawing me to them. Because I began to think about the commonalities of their life. Number one, they were wise in God's word. They, they were serious about their faith in Christ. They modeled it. They lived it out. They weren't perfect people. They had faults and frailties, but they were honest about that. They were honest about their struggles, and, and they encouraged me. Uh, they wanted to apply God's word to their life, not just talk about it in platitudes and then live a different way, but they literally were interested in living out what Christ teaches us to do. So they were serious about their faith, and yet they had a sense of humor. They were humorous. They, they had a lighter side to them, and they could make you laugh or, or joke about things in an appropriate way. They were often humble, not overbearing. They were considerate. They were compassionate. They were competent in the particular ministries or things that they were doing. Again, not that they knew it all, but just in what they did, they did it well. And they were committed. And they were patient and not pressuring. So they were not controlling or manipulating. And when I started to think about all those characteristics in these different people, leaders and people that I admired, I began to realize, Lord, really, that's you. That's your Holy Spirit working in their lives. And so, in a way, yes, I was drawn to them, but more so I was drawn to Jesus in them. Does that make sense? And this is what I'm sharing with you all today, the importance of you individually, uniquely, with your personalities, your experience, your background. As you allow Christ's Spirit to work in you, man, I can connect with that. And other people can connect with that. God never intended you to be in this walk alone, this journey alone, or to be distant or isolated or aloof. He wants you to be in the mix and in with the team. And I understand if you're an introvert by nature, it's really hard. I am living proof of the miracle of Jesus Christ in my life. I really am because I am an introvert by nature. I grew up so introverted, so backward, I was embarrassed. Somebody would say hi to me, my face would get red, and it's like I'd want to go run behind mommy, you know. <laughs> when I was in high school, when I went from Jackson Junior High School to Parkersburg High School, and I'm a baby boomer, so at that time the school was huge, had a lot of kids there. I was so embarrassed and intimidated at lunchtime, I wouldn't even go to the lunchroom. I'd go to the library and be hungry. I mean, this, and I am not joking, this is how much of an introvert I was. And now, I mean, here I stand before you speaking. It's a miracle. It really is a miracle of the Holy Spirit and Christ working in me. And I give him all the glory because there is no way I would have chosen to do this. And it's still kind of hard for me to believe that I'm actually doing this now. But again, I give praise and glory and testimony to Christ and, and to encourage you to say, if that's where you're at now, if you feel like you've got nothing to offer or you're so backward or what could you have to possibly give to the work of the kingdom of God, I want you to know you are precious and you are valuable and we want you, God wants you to be part of this companionship. So take that step of faith. Maybe it's given me a call or Pastor Eric or Adam or the church staff or maybe it's talking to a Sunday school teacher or someone in your life group, but just start taking those steps 
because he is calling you along with us to serve him together. He never intended for you to do it alone. So do you have some teammates around you? Again, if it's not in your family, do you have somebody here at church that you can connect with and get to know? A good starting point, again, is with our Bible classes, our Sunday school classes, um, our life groups. Sometimes it's a ministry team. It's just helping out with something at church, and you begin to get to know them as you work together with them. But take that step. And again, we all need trainees. You've heard me speak about this over the last few years, really. And God has been laying it on my heart, and I'm not making more of this than it is, but it's just a fact. You know, I'm, I'm aging, I'm getting older, I thank God for the health I have and the strength I have. I thank God for the things that I'm able to do. But because I love this church, and because I love you and I love the Lord, I wanna make sure that I continually am thinking to the next generation and those that will come along after me. I'm probably the oldest guy now on staff. Uh, if not, I'm one of them, but I'm gonna say I'm the oldest. And so we've got a staff of younger people. And so part of what I want to do in not only being teammates with them and not only being a teacher, but also seeing them as trainees is to give them opportunities to continue to use the gifts God has given them in ministry for the kingdom of God. And so that's something we've modeled here over the years, and I'm thankful for that. And it's also something that I want to continue to pray about and work with the other church leaders as we think about the future of the church. So this is why, for some of you, I know it's uncomfortable, but I've mentioned it earlier this year, a few months back, and I just want you to know that I didn't just mention it, and now we've dropped the ball, nothing's happening but I'm continuing to pray about, God, what do you want for your church at Porterfield in the years to come? And help me in the role that I'm in now to just help us as a church to look to that and to see what you want and help us to continue to look for the teachers and the teammates and the trainees among us and how you wanna use us to continue to help your church to move forward in years ahead. Again, we see this in the scriptures Moses had Elijah, and Elijah, or I'm sorry, Moses had Joshua. Boy, I need to read my Bible. What's funny is none of you corrected me, so God bless you for that, because as soon as I said Moses had Elijah, you should go, what? See, this is this accountability thing. I need to be held accountable. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit held me accountable and said, Mark, you just misspoke. So Moses had Joshua. And Joshua had Moses. This is what I want you to think about because Moses had Joshua as a teammate and a trainee, but Joshua had Moses as a teammate and a teacher. You see how that works? And now Elijah had Elisha. That's who had Elijah. <laughs> Elijah had Elisha and Elisha had Elijah. Because again, they were teammates, they were trainees, they were working together. And on and on it goes. Jesus had the 12, but then of the 12, he selected the three, Peter, James, and John, because he was getting ready to form a succession plan, so to speak, after he would ascend back up into heaven, send his Holy Spirit. He had those that he wanted to carry on the legacy, the ministry, so it would continue to multiply and grow and prosper. 
And again, Peter, James, and John had the other disciples, and they had Jesus. So again, we see this cycle of teachers, teammates, trainees, all in a continual process of learning and serving together because Christ has called us into companionship with himself and with each other. The Apostle Paul had Barnabas, and then later Silas, and then Luke, and then Timothy. And the Apostle Paul writes this um, to other believers in the church because, again, he had the same heart of wanting to make sure that the church was prospering even after he would be gone. He writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. He's saying, you're my teammates, and I know I'm a teacher, but also you're my trainees. I want you to learn from my example. Another way it's worded in the King James Version is be followers of me even as I also am of Christ, or in the NIV, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, or in the New King James Version, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So it's really important in the life of the church that we think long-term and bigger. And one of the things that I want to do is, while I have the health and strength, and while the church is healthy, and hopefully healthy, and will continue to be healthy, now is the time that we need to be praying about this, thinking about it, rather than waiting till the church declines, and it's a last-ditch effort, and the wheels are coming off, and everybody's going, what are we going to do? Mark's not getting the job done. we got to get rid of him and get somebody else. Oh, I know you all would never think that, right? Because you've never thought that about a pastor or a declining church. So again, I'm going to be, just be real transparent with you. Maybe sometimes too much so, but sorry, it's just how I am. I went from being an introvert to now too much information. But this is really important because, again, this is the stuff of families and companions and teammates. We've got to talk about the realities. We've got to investigate things. So there are risks and vulnerabilities in doing this, but I think it's worth it. And so currently, here's what I'm doing. Again, just to keep you informed... As I I mentioned last week, I've been reading a lot of books that are giving examples of churches that have done succession planning well and those that haven't done it well, giving examples of three primary ways that churches do succession planning or non-planning. Actually, one of the ways is they don't have a plan, but that's really not much of a plan. But it is one of the three ways that that churches do succession. And then as I'm reading those books, obviously I'm reading the scriptures and I'm praying and I'm inviting you as a church to pray and our staff to pray and our ministry teams to pray. But then I'm also involving our church leadership teams. I'm involving our trustee team, our deacon team, our mission executive team, of course the staff. And you say, well, Mark, why are you doing it that way? Because the trustees, the deacons, And the mission team is really reflective of our entire congregation. Those teams are made up of men and women, people of different ages. Some have been here for a long time. Some have been here for a shorter time. But they all love the church. They love Jesus. They're seeking to use their gifts together. And so to me, it's a great team, and it's reflective of our congregation. And so as we move forward, we'll continue to, again, listen Uh, to things that you have to share about this, concerns that you have. 
But again, I ask you to just pray. And I'm not trying to be funny here, but as Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And you know when Jesus said that to his disciples, he said it before he was crucified. Because he knew he was going to be crucified, but then he knew he was going to rise again. It was his plan. Now, I'm being real honest. I pray I'm not going to be crucified <laughs> anytime soon or at all. But the point is, again, I don't know yet any pastor that has lived 100 years plus. I don't. If you do, let me know. So I think it's wise to just look at the reality of life and the reality of how God has, has wired his church and the example he has set for generations. And then again, in honesty and humility and with prayer and discussion and seeking God's will, he'll show us what he wants for his church because this is his church. Amen? It's not, it's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. But he's given us an awesome responsibility in it. And that's why he's called us to companionship. So again, this message is to encourage you to say you are valuable. You are important as a part of his church here at Porterfield if you've trusted Christ. If you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, that's why we're here. We're here to help you with that, to talk to you about it, to answer questions you have. We want you to come to Christ. We want you to follow us on this journey because Christ is our Savior. He is the King of all. He's our Creator and Redeemer. And He has called us to serve Him and to enter into a relationship with Him. So just in closing, I want you to think about where you're currently at in this companionship kind of stage or this relationship with the church and with Christ. So first of all, the first stage is what I would call association. And I think I've got that, yeah. The, kind of the levels of fellowship, it starts out with association. In other words, hey, okay, I'm going to attend. I'm going to see what's going on there. I'm going to associate uh, myself and, and just check it out a little bit. So that'd be like coming to Sunday morning worship or occasionally attending some special church events. And then as you go from there, you start moving to a little deeper level. It's like, okay, I, I like what's going on there. I do, I, it seems like God's working there and good things are happening. I'd like to be a part of it. So hopefully, if you haven't already done so, not hopefully for sure, that you'll open up your life to Christ. You invite him into your life. And you're willing to turn from your viewpoint and your way of seeing things and begin to literally begin to experience what it's like to follow Christ and do things his way. Now you're participating with Christ and his spirit, but then also with his body here at Porterfield or wherever you might be located in with the body of Christ, contributing financially to the work of the church regularly, volunteering your time and your ability to help with some aspect of the ministry or someone in the community for the cause of Christ, building relationships intentionally with other people in the church, taking those steps. Now you're moving beyond association into participation. Maybe it's, again, with a Sunday school class, a small group, or serving on a ministry team. And then once you begin doing that, hopefully you begin to move into the, the third and the deepest level, which is a true companionship. And working side by side with people and getting to know them, you find uh, some other people that just share that common vision and heart and personality mix and spiritual giftedness. So you're really feeling a connection with Christ's spirit, and you're like, wow, thank you for being there for me. 
I'm going through a rough time. This is really hard, and I need you to pray for me. Or offering yourself to pray and to help someone else without having to have Pastor Mark there or the deacons or anyone else because you're called into companionship in the life of the church, and you're going to do your part and not just shove it off on someone else. Now, again, I'm happy to do my part. The deacons are. Our staff is. That's why we're here. But we can't do it without you. You all can cover so much more territory than we can. And again, it's, it's the model of Christ. That's why he ascended back up into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit into all of us so that we could all carry his spirit wherever we are and make a difference for him and his kingdom. So why should we, as a staff, do ministry any differently and feel like we gotta be everywhere all at once, all at the same time and trying to do everything for everybody? So nobody's looking to be a hero here. We just wanna be a servant and we need you. So Christ has called us to walk together. Now, having said all that, I want to close with, with uh, this little illustration. And I was, it's a common one. You've probably heard it before, but I, I thought of this because it does give an example of, of companionship and sharing the workload in ministry at whatever level you're at. And that's uh, geese. Flock of geese, when they fly, you know, they fly in that V formation, Right? And so what they do is one, the, the, the head goose <laughs> that's up there in the point of the V flying, it's doing all the, all of, fighting all of the headwinds, you know? I, I make a terrible goose impression. <laughs> so whatever, you get the idea. But it's facing all the headwinds. And they're in that V because of the aerodynamics as the one who's up front is hitting those headwinds. The others are kind of in the tailwinds and it creates this aerodynamic thing that they can do. They can go further with less effort when they're in that V formation flying. They can get further together. So again, it's an illustration of companionship, but it doesn't end there because what they do is after a while, the one that's in the lead, he or she will drop off and go to the back and the next one comes up in the V and it just creates a chain. And then there's one out front flying for a while. And then when that one gets weary, it drops back and the next one comes up, next, next one up. And they are honking all the way, you know, <laughs> honking encouragement. And that's really the way it is in the life of the church. And it really is in a way, it's kind of like a succession plan only it's on a continual basis. So all of us need times where we have somebody else step up and help us out with leadership and so I guess I'll go ahead and tell you this, that right now with where I'm at and as I'm praying and seeking God's will for the future and wanting to devote time and energy into some of this future thinking and working with our church leadership teams and stuff, Pastor Eric, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch back to the back of the V for a little bit and he's gonna take the front of the V for the next three Sunday mornings and he's gonna honk. <laughs> no, actually, we're gonna honk. <laughs> He'll speak, we'll honk. But for the next three Sundays, he's gonna bring messages to you, a sermon series. And I appreciate that. It's gonna be a great sermon series. I've already uh, talked to him about it some because actually it's something God laid on his heart earlier this year. And so I'm appreciative of that. It's gonna give me a chance for the next three Sundays to kind of take a little bit of break. Not again from ministry. I'm gonna be doing ministry as strong as ever. It's just gonna allow me to focus on some other areas of prayer and planning for the future because again, my heart is to want to continue to be with you. Um, my heart is not to leave you. It is to continue to be with you and to serve in whatever capacity, whether it's at the front of the V or halfway behind the V or at the very tail end honking the rest of you on, you know, whatever it is. 
because we are called into companionship and ministry together. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so he is definitely in this companionship with us. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you for the practicality of your word, the reality of your word, the wisdom of your word. Thank you, Lord, that you not only have taught us, but you modeled for us how we should live and how you want us to serve together. So, Lord, again, we know this is your church, and you know my heart, Lord. You know, <laughs> I just I want to do the best uh, that I can for your church, and I want to fulfill the role you've given me in every aspect, as a pastor, as a, as a teammate, as a teacher, and sometimes as a trainee, because I'm still learning. So, Lord, open our eyes to see this aspect and help us to look around to see how we can be a teacher to someone else, a teammate to someone else, and even a trainee to learn from someone else. And thank you most of all, Lord, that you have promised to never leave us or forsake us, and that you are always with us through your spirit. So, Lord Jesus, again, I pray for direction. I pray for your peace over your congregation here at Porterfield. And we know that peace doesn't mean no conflict or no trouble. Peace really is how we handle the challenges that come our way. So help us to handle them with wisdom and peacefully and according to your Holy Spirit. And uh, we just want to continue to give you all the praise. And Lord, I pray you'll continue to add to our number daily, just like you did in the early church, that first formed church. Help us to continue to be a healthy church. And if there's one here today or who's listening to this message that hasn't opened up their life to you, Lord Jesus, in these moments, I pray your spirit would move them to just with a simple childlike faith, open up their life and to invite you into their spirit, into their soul, ask for forgiveness and commit to living for you and experience the life change that you alone can bring through the power of your Holy Spirit. For it's in your name I pray, amen. So we're going to sing this closing song. As always, if you'd like someone to pray with you, you can come to the front. Um, and following the service as well. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today.